This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What is up, lacrosse fans? You are watching the 110th episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost. And today we're going to talk about PLL action kicked off over the weekend. Uh, the MLL, they had a big, huge snafu. Their bubble burst and four guys ended up testing positive for COVID. And that murked one semi. They had a fi- the finals. Boston Cannons won. Uh, I believe it was the Boston Cannons that won now off the top of my head. But honestly, once the bubble burst thing, I kind of lost interest there. And then I moved on to the PLL. And that ended up being what happened. Uh, but the MLL action was awesome. But today we're talking about the PLL. We're talking, you know, we got the whole weekend of action here. We've got a game from last night that some are apparently calling the greatest uh, professional lacrosse game of all time. I'm not sure that's the case, but it was a hell of a game. So before I get into all of the PLL action from the weekend and yesterday, let us uh, make sure that you like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Just like, 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 share the video, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. You can go check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, although most of our stuff is all right here by far. The most stuff that we put out, we put out here. You can also listen to the audio version of the podcast at anchor.fm forward slash lax factor and then as always you can go to laxfactor.com watch our videos there get swag things like that so you can get t-shirts hats all sorts of stuff so be sure to go to laxfactor.com and check us out there as well Whew. okay let's get into this here whip snakes and the redwoods rematch of the finals last year uh, and, and rather than go through and do point by point kind of news, we're just going to kind of talk about overviews and, and things that I noticed. So first thing I noticed, Michael Earhart is filthy, factored often and early in the first game of the PLL season. He was last year's long pole of the year. Dude gets busy, gets busy on the field. He plays incredible on ball defense, but off the ball as a as a help, a disruptor an agitator, keeping his stick up, coming over and kind of ch- chipping guys as they're, as they're getting to the rack, uh, just pretty much getting mixed up in scrums, anything. Uh, ground balls, the guy, just one of the best in the game, period, Earhart is. So that was one of the things that I took away from the game, uh, the first game of the PLL season. Face-off athletes rejoice because Joe Nardella Scores two of the first three goals in PLL action this year. Dude looked like he was on a mission. Uh, faceoff athlete is fitting in this case here. Second goal, he ate a ton of shit on his way to the cage, uh, and he still stuck it. And then he looked all pumped after, but obviously you're going to be all pumped after. Took a headshot, slash, got knocked down, and then still murked the single. Uh, it got chippy early in this game, and that was one of the things I liked in both the MLL action and the PLL action thus far. Over the last two years, for, uh, this, this is the second year of the PLL action being this way, is dudes are beating each other. There, there are fights that are breaking out because guys are getting chippy, and I'm sure overall these guys are good. Uh, but when they're on the field, they have been doing a pretty good job of turning that friendship off and just beating the ever-living crap out of each other and going hard. Um, 
so and even in this game, they definitely they got into it early. They were scrapping. You can tell there's a little bit of bad blood from the way everything went down last year, a.k.a. the, the Redwoods losing in the finals to the Whips. Uh, but and, and then we even saw a penalty here where Garnsey, I think it might have been Garnsey and Adams, started to go at it a little bit where Garnsey took a cheap shot and then Adams got him back and they, they locked them both up for a minute or two. So I like the chippiness. We uh, uh, for all lacrosse players pretty much like watching lacrosse and seeing guys get chippy. Not all of us are going to like the fights and all that stuff. Although I kind of like the fights personally here. I like to see them. Um, and, and it's not that I like to see the fight. I like to see the fire because the fight is an indicator that the fire is there. And that's one of the reasons I like fights. I'm not like big on like, you know, the fights and guys getting punched in the face and guys getting ejected and, and sat down for the next game or whatever those punishments might be. But I am for seeing evidence that these dudes are going balls out. So I dig that. Um, Kavanaugh, uh, all the talk about Garnsey because Garnsey's awesome and Garnsey's just, uh, he's got some toot, he's got swag and he scores highlight real goal after highlight real goal. The reality is Kavanaugh is the Redwoods MVP. He is their Flint and Garnsey's the spark for sure. This is this is my creative writing here. Garnsey's the spark for sure, but Kavanaugh is the flint that makes the spark possible. Boom. However, if I was a casting director, and this is where uh, I'm going to try to start doing this a little bit more, where I pick a player and we kind of pick on him a little bit in a good-natured way. So here, as I'm sitting here talking about Kavanaugh, if I was a casting director for Lord of the Rings, I'm casting Kavanaugh as the lead hobbit. He could be Bilbo Baggins, and I dare anyone to tell me that I'm wrong. Guy is unassuming. Looks like he's willing to knock back a few beers, but he probably won't overdo it. He's going to be a respectful drinker of the alcohol, and uh, but he's sure to get just crunk enough to break into song while dancing on his hairy little hobbit feet. So that's my that's my my subtle dig at Kavanaugh. But seriously, Kavanaugh is is. He's the anchor of that team. The dude does everything. The guy, you need a goal, give the ball to Kavanaugh. You need something to happen where maybe he draws a slide and he feeds it off, give it to Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh is the man, even though Garnsey is definitely the most exciting player to watch on this team. Kavanaugh's the man. I was correct. They did lose Jules Hennenberg. So that hurts them, And it, I, but it didn't hurt them early in this game. And early in this game, they came right out in gel, and they got Peterson from Cornell, Clark Peterson, uh, playing that other attack spot, and he fits into this system really well. Peterson's not going to beat you carrying the ball like Henningberg because Henningberg can do everything, play off ball, uh, carry the ball. Uh, he's he's pretty much – Henningberg's good enough to anchor an offense just like either Garnsey or Kavanaugh could. Uh, Peterson's not that guy. He's not going to anchor your offense, but he is an off-ball sniper, great off-ball, and he can. he's a really good two-step quick dodger on top of it. So you draw a slide, you hit him on the backside – he doesn't have to just spot shoot uh, or you know get in the crease area and get close enough to get it off as soon as he catches it. He can put a move on a guy. He can shake a guy if he has to. So I dug seeing that too. Uh, uh, Peterson gelled well with those two in the game, especially early on. Tim Troutner Jr. in cage. Obviously, we're all excited to see Troutner Jr. play again. He uh, had a hell of a rookie season last year. What I was most impressed with in this game was he care. I think it was end of the first, maybe it was in the second quarter. He goes up the sideline carrying the ball and he shook two dudes. So the dude has some shake in him for sure, especially for a keeper. But I mean, going up that side and let, let's not, I mean, he wasn't like stopping on a dime and then booking it. He wasn't Mike Powell and Mike Powell breaking their ankles or anything like that. But he, he had the moves, man. He shook two guys that were trying to ride him up the sideline and got the ball up. So I was surprised with that. 
Kyle Harrison, the, one of the resident geezers in the league, one of the guys passing the torch to the younger guys, but still getting it done. His two-point stick from the wing, and I didn't know in real time, I didn't know that was a two-point stick. That looked like he just kind of caught that ball up on the wing and let it rip. I was thinking 12-yard shot. I didn't realize he was behind the two-point arc, just partly because it didn't look like it. The way that shot lasered in. Uh, off that go off that screen off the defender was incredible but that was what he did he caught the ball knew he had no time on the shot clock left used his defender as a screen and then just got a nice smooth full shooting motion in where literally to the goalie from the goalie's perspective I think it went uh, 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 short side pipe stick side also uh, so you're like, oh man, the goalie should have saved that. But what you're not realizing is that's a, that's a, a screenshot. That ball, uh, from that goalie's perspective, shot off of his defender's hip. He didn't even see it leave the stick. All of a sudden, there's just a ball flying off his defender's pick past his head. So that was an incredible shot. Harrison, a legend, one of the greats, is both a person, ambassador of lacrosse, as a lacrosse player. Uh, literally, uh, I had a player... Uh, CJ Robinson, uh, a black kid uh, from Binghamton. Kid was an incredible ball player. He ended up, he went to Cortland. I think he broke his ankle while he was up at Cortland. So he ended up playing for us at Broome. And I mean, I don't know. I, I just presume, and I always presumed, I should probably ask CJ this. I just presumed that he was a huge fan of Kyle Harrison, not for any, not because they, you know, both share a skin color or anything like that, but legitimately because the way CJ carried his stick dodged shot everything prototype Kyle Harrison and and CJ was a hell of a player he went on to play uh play but he played for us for a year and then he went on to play at Belmont Abbey uh D2 for two years after that hell of a player just a, a great finisher great dodger it was a good team leader very quiet uh humble unassuming kid I'm not gonna say he was humble he was quiet and not um uh boys you know I don't know I guess he was kind of humble but he was very confident, very good player. Uh, so CJ Robinson, dropping his name here. But he legitimately, he carried his stick. He looked a lot like Kyle Harrison, the way he played the game and the way he carried his stick. But Harrison has inspired players, both white, black, and everything in between for what? We're going on 15 years now, more than that probably. So hats off to Kyle Harrison. Glad to see him still rocking it and, and killing it in the PLL. Proof that Clark Peterson's hands are incredible. That feed from Garnsey that he caught, uh, he caught it on the crease, kind of over towards, like, if the goal's here, he kind of caught it, and I'm facing the goal, he kind of caught it in this region here. Caught a feed from Garnsey, and he uh, he had to dip, slide, duck, take a step. I mean, it, all, the whole thing was catch the ball, get my hands free enough to shoot with two defenders right in my general region trying to get on me, and somehow he was managed to position himself, his stick, in a manner that was, it, it, if you watch the video clip of it, of Peterson's goal there. It was incredible. Just, just very simple, a very, you know, not a, oh, this crazy, exciting play, but a, for a connoisseur of lacrosse, for a connoisseur of off ball lacrosse, where, you know, you got these attackmen that are catching the ball in the crease in space and still getting shots off. It was an incredible goal. And to add, he's, like I said, he's a fairly capable, quick dodger. So Peterson may work perfectly in this scheme here with the Redwoods. Uh, I loved watching him play uh, Robin to Jeff Teets Batman, and now he's getting to you know share time with the Iron Man and Captain America of the PLL here in terms of uh, Kavanaugh and and Garnsey. So he's going to feast over the next uh, two weeks here as he runs through. Um, Matt Rambo, what can we say about Rambo? I always did, and here's one of the thought things that I I always forget about Rambo. I always assume Rambo is a finisher. I picture Rambo being a a sixty forty 
kind of guy. Typically, if you put him out on a field a hundred times, he's going to go, you know, for six goals, four assists, six goals, four assists, six goals, four assists, not, you know, just on average. I mean, 60, 40, 60 goals, 40 assists, but Rambo hundred percent, a triple threat. You know, the guy can dodge, the guy can shoot it from out top and he can feed. And uh, like I said, I always thought of him as a goal scorer, not realizing that last year he led the PLL in assists. Uh, so the meatball, he's getting shit done. And uh, he can do everything. So that was one of the other cool things. Uh, as we're going through, Zed Williams. Zed Williams, one of the, the new additions, he, he came over from the MLL. And he had a very good show in his first game. Three first-half goals. Guy's a pro. Solid as they come. And he can finish. And he can finish anyway. He'll go to the rack for you. He's not the best Dodger in the world, but he's more than capable. Off-ball. All of these vets you, you find as they get a little bit later into their career, they advance off-ball. Williams has always been... Um, good off ball. And Williams, he's not necessarily flashy, but he can score crazy highlight re- real goals. He, he actually had a crazy dive goal where he come down the right alley and then ducked under and then backhanded it on his way down. So very capable of scoring those crazy highlight real goals as well. Um, like I, I put in my notes here, he's not flashy, but flashy at the same time. I hated him when he played for UVA, just because he always, you know, he was always a danger and he was going to beat us up. But as a fan of lacrosse, I now, I'm naturally, you know, now as an adult, I'm a, uh, obviously a fan of uh, Williams. So that game ends up 13 to nine. We have the next game of the night and I might be butchering this. I just have a big, long running list of things that I wanted to talk about. So I may end up crossing up topics between games here. Uh, Chrome 13 chaos nine, another good game. The first two games were 13, nine, by the way. And we saw that last year, a lot of scores mirroring and paralleling and a lot of one goal games that had the same score. So I'm a big counter fields fan and I always have been, I'm an Albany fan as long as they're not playing Syracuse and, uh, what's not to like about fields overall anyway. Um, how crazy is it? Uh, that uh, Gerard, Gerard. See, I was over the weekend. I drew a line in the sand and I said, "Hey, I think it's Gerard." And then they were calling him Jared Newman. So we're just going to keep calling him Gerard through the season because that does look cooler. He actually looks kind of like a Gerard to me, also. So Gerard Newman, how crazy is it? The chaos get both Gerard Newman and Ray being, and they have those two guys running up the field, up and down the field, up and down the field, and in, in transition with poles. First goal of the game, Newman. Heads up field, hits Ray at the top, and then he feeds some dude I didn't know on the crease, and he stuck a goal here. Um, so that's just crazy that the Chaos have two poles that are that formidable in terms of their getting up the field and uh, and turning you know defense into offense on the other side. Sergio Salcido's first goal, a low to high snipe. And I talked, I think I talked last week or the last show about uh, Pinnell being shredded. Salcedo was putting his own Instagram crap up showing that he's shredded, bodybuilder shredded himself. All he, all him and Pinnell need to do is just lube up with some tan, tanning lotion, some tanning oil and hop in front of a hop up on a stage and they can flex together. Um, so yeah, Salcedo, that rip though, that first rip low to high off that right wing, that was filthy, very beautiful shot. Uh, so, but, but like between him and Pinnell, I think Pinnell, he's got the bulk and the age on him and, uh, Salcedo's just still a little bit younger. You give Salcedo another five to eight years like Pinnell and he's going to be built like a brick shit house like Pinnell is now too. Um, the sequence from, I think it was burn BTB to fields BTB to Dixon. That was dirty. That was, that was special getting to see that, that dish from burn to fields. You could say the dish from burn to fields was called for. I would say the fields to Dixon 
was probably not necessary, but I liked it. Now, the only way, the only reason I would say that maybe it was necessary was what Fields did do was come up the field as if maybe he wasn't going to feed that across. Because as soon as Connor Fields starts trying to come up beyond goal line extended and get to the front, you have to be worried. So my thinking was maybe that one or two steps was just to draw the D up a little bit and then he could dink it behind the back. Realistically, I think he was thinking BTB as soon as Burn threw it to, or uh, yeah, Burn threw it to him BTB. So I think he was just coming up field a little bit to, to get that angle so the goalie Oh, I got a bug flying in my face here. So the goalie didn't uh, snag it out of the air. Uh, and then I thought it was funny uh, that that as a lax player, if a dude's like, it, you could see Dixon caught that and was being very careful. He did have time to be careful, but he was being very careful to make sure he finishes it. Because as a player, when you have a dude feed you BTB, you are going to be extra careful to try to bury that because you don't want to screw that up because it's a sweet assist. Uh, in this case, it was a double BTB on the fast break. And uh, how often do you see a fast break come down that side with your point man on the left side, though, too? I thought that was cool. Uh, so, yeah, you want to be extra careful. And then I thought it was also funny that when they – one of the best parts of of their on-field interviews was, like, we got to hear Connor Fields laughing on the field and admitting that uh, Burn A, Burn wanted the apple, as they call it, the assist – but Fields said, nah, I have to go BTB also. So Fields admitted, hey, yeah, he threw it BTB to me. I'm throwing it BTB across the crease. And then uh, he said that the best part, like the, my favorite part of the, that little on-field interview was Fields admitting that, yeah, they were starting to give Dixon crap for not sticking that BTB also. I don't. He didn't have a great angle. It, wasn't, it wouldn't have been a good time for a BTB, especially if he missed it. So, But I thought that was funny. As players, it's like, oh, man, two BTB feeds. You obviously have to finish that BTB now. And uh, Dixon did not do that. A uh, big story in the first half, too, of that game was that uh, d- despite uh, Gerard Newman, n- now every time I say it, I'm going to have to like pause just so everybody knows I'm joking. Uh, d- despite the fact Newman is one of the filthiest poles on the planet Earth, Jordan Wolf was too much for even Newman to handle. And I think you're going to see that. I think some of the elite poles are going to be a little bit quicker. I mean, that's the thing, though. Newman is everything. Like, he's quick. He's agile. He can cover ground. He can play really good at home defense. But Jordan Wolf, just too fast. Just way too damn fast for even Newman. He scored a dish. Let's see here. He scored a dive as his first goal. Uh, second, third, and fourth. Uh, let me see here. What am I talking about? Wolf scored a dive. Oh, Okay, it was. I was talking about the steps on that first goal, like, and actually all of them. As you see him just get that first step, that first step, that second step, that third step, that fourth step, that fifth step, all too quick for defenders. He's just running by people on his way to the cage, and then he's got uh, one of his goals where he he ran by Newman and his way, but then Newman kind of tries to recover, tries to hook him, tries to hold him a little bit. His center of gravity is incredible, and he's just a, a strong, quick little water spider is what Jordan Wolf is and it's just it's going to be a problem for the rest of the league. If 30 I think what's Newman 33? I wrote in here if 33 can't guard Wolf then who the hell can? Uh, and that's true. If Newman has a hard time with Wolf, everybody's going to be a hard time have a hard time with Wolf. But we kind of knew that was going to happen. Wolf Wolf is filthy, filthy. I was surprised to hear that Crotty to Gutterding was the most prolific assist to goal ratio um duo Last year, I was surprised that of all the players that hooked up last year, uh, Crotty to Gutterding was the number one hookup. So, I mean, that's, uh, um, you know, two Duke guys getting it done. Crotty, he's become a mid as a pro. Crotty was a mid in college, then Crotty played attack in college. I think Crotty won the Twarton as an attackman. 
And now I'm sitting here wondering if Crotty wanted Twarton, but I'm almost positive Crotty wanted Twarton as an attackman. Either way, Crotty, he's become a mid as a pro. Um, has had a ton of success at both positions, uh, both in the pro and at Duke. Um, so it was once again, you see the, the, the changing of the guard. You're seeing these geezers now start to kind of lead these teams, but kind of defer to the younger folk uh, in terms of getting it done. Connor Farrell, a.k.a. Thor, dominated the faceoff X in this game. 11 of 11 over the course of the second half. That's when the Chrome started pulling away, partly to that Duke connection. Crowdy and Gutterding got over. Uh, they, they got it done in the fourth. Wolf held down the fort in the first half, and then the other Duke bros kicked in over the fourth quarter. But uh, Farrell, I mean, all game long, he was, he was really tough. But going 11-11, 11 for 11 at one point over the course of the second half is what really helped helped them in this game. I was wrong about the Chrome overall. Overall, uh, they their lack of what I called like kind of that star power depth, they make up for it by just gelling. And then it sounds stupid to sit here and want in, in various breaths and you know name some of the guys that are on these rosters and then say they lack star power. I'm only saying it relative to some of these other teams. Every one of these teams is filthy. And one thing that uh, Bryce Queener, uh, PY homie, uh, PY homies are the craziest. Bryce Queener was talking about how he... he he can't bet anyway because he's the assistant girls coach at Denver, so the coaches can't bet. But he said if he did bet and he did make picks, um, he got them all wrong. He got every single game wrong, I think, over the first weekend. I don't remember what I had had uh, predicted for all of these games, but I'm sure I didn't do all that well, and, and Queener said it. these these No matter what it looks like on paper, these dudes that are playing in these games are the best in the world, and any one of these teams can beat the other uh, on any given day, and we saw that this weekend. Um, it's going to be very difficult to pick these games. And actually, one of the things that Queener said that I liked was he said he hears all these guys talking about, oh, man, betting on lacrosse is going to be easy. Maybe at the college level it'll be a little bit easier. You tend to see things go down at the college level, not as much lately, but more often than not, what you expect to happen ends up happening. Uh, at the pro level, like you said, it is not going to be the case. It is going to be very difficult to consistently make money betting on the pro game because so many weird things are going to happen. You can end up hitting a couple of jackpots because you pick, you know, you might pick some, uh, one of the underdogs or something like that, depending on the point spread. But it ends up being the point spreads are so close, so the odds aren't very favorable for ever cleaning up. So that's going to be one of the problems with betting on pro lacrosse specifically. I want to bet on college lacrosse in the end. Um, Gaudet. We got to talk about Gaudet. Matt Gaudet, Yale, Yale grad comes in here and the dude has a cackle like a witch in a fairy tale. Number one. And you, if you hear that once or twice in, in reference to something good that happened on the field for his team, cool. About the fourth time you hear it, you're hoping that a defender takes out his larynx with his long pole. And that's the truth here. Uh, I lack that. So as everybody knows by now, Gaudet talked a lot of trash in this game it was so blatantly like just so blatantly aggressive and out there that I assumed it had to be almost in kind of a joking tone like maybe him and Blaze Reardon are buddies or something like that because he was riding Blaze Reardon who is a, a, a consummate professional uh, he was riding riding Reardon hard uh, to the point where at one and, and where it really broke and he kind of lost me even though I laughed it's funny. Don't get me wrong. It's funny. I laughed. As a coach, I wouldn't have it on my team personally. And I'm not saying that as an old curmudgeon. I'm just saying like 
you don't want your player doing that because now for the rest of the year, he is going to bring out the, the best and the worst in every defender that faces him. He is going to get his ass beat and lit up on the crease. So I wouldn't have a player do that just because as an attackman, I was the guy going out there trying to make sure that the poles were cool with all of us because from a mindset standpoint, you don't want to put that pole in the mindset that I'm going to, I'm going to kill this guy. And he may already be in that mindset to a degree, but I, I, I promise you, and polls will admit this, there is a little bit of an anger reserve that doesn't come out unless you draw it out of them sometimes, at least during the course of the game. Maybe that anger reserve always comes out in the end and in really close games. But if you don't bring out that anger reserve, there's about like 3-5% of that defender that you're not going to get in terms of the aggressiveness and the beatings. You bring out the anger demon inside that defender, now you're going to get slashed shit Every slash is going to be a little bit more of the business. You're going to, they're going to risk some penalties to take you out. Um, so what I'm surprised by is that we didn't see Gaudet just get lanced in this game. Um, where he lost me, and it kind of stopped being funny, was the cackle. It was just annoying. It was just, holy shit, dude. You're an adult male. Stop it with the cackle, the witch's cackle. I, that drove me nuts. But then uh, when, when uh, he they were in his helmet, he was miked. And this is where it kind of turned into, hey, look at me. I'm just going to want to cry for attention was where he's standing next to Reardon and they're asking him about that last goal or whatever. And he straight up looked it down at Reardon as they're talking to him and said, yeah, Blaze sucks. He's having a hard day, blah, blah, blah. And that was where I was just thinking, all right, man, if you and Blaze were, were bros and they're cool and maybe that's the case and I just don't know. All right. I, I'd, I'd see that in that case there. But Blaze didn't seem to think it was funny. And I, I just... I still, I can't believe that no one came in and just took his head off. Like in, in the next game he plays in, he will be headhunted and he will 100% get blasted by some dudes. He's going to come away with some really bad bruises. And I hope that we don't have to hear the, the witch's cackle anymore. I was glad to see Curtis Dixon popped out. Curtis Dixon on Twitter posted, sadly, this is how you make a name for yourself in this league. Would love to see this knob. Try this in the NLL. If he makes a roster, Congrats on the win. Be humble or it may come back to bite you in the ass. So I, I, I was glad that a, a wily vet like Curtis Dixon would come out and throw that out there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here in his next game. Uh, I am a part of me is hoping that he gets lit the fuck up. And I think that that may happen. Atlas Water Dogs. Atlas and the Water Dogs. 10-7 at the end of the third. Appeared Pennell's return to uh, the lacrosse field was going to um, be for naught. But not so fast. Four goals out of Law and uh, one goal and three-dish effort out of Pinnell helped get the Atlas back on top by the end. The Water Dogs offense, well, I, I had kind of bashed the Water Dogs and said, ah, oh, their roster's not all that great either. But uh, when you end up seeing, I think it's Kieran McArdle, uh, is, is just incredible. He looked excellent overall. The whole team kind of gelled, and they did play really well. Sabia was a beast. Three caused turnovers in the game. And the Atlas were opposite of all the things that the Water Dogs were uh, over the course of the first three quarters of the game. Fourth quarter, they put their they got their shit together, though. One of the reasons uh, the Atlas struggled was Baptiste. Baptiste. Oh, wait a minute. I'm mixing these things up here, am I? Atlas Water Dogs. Either way, I'm just going to keep ripping here. Baptiste didn't have a great week weekend. He, uh, what was it, 46% from the faceoff dot. Very un-Trevor Baptiste of him. He'll probably be back and he'll be okay. Um, but, you know. What are you going to do? Uh, we had the, uh, oh, the game last night that everybody was talking about was like this, the best pro lacrosse game ever. It was a great game. It wasn't the best pro lacrosse game ever, I don't think. 
Uh, things that I took away was I was expecting Amet to be this sick feeder from hell for all of the defenses. Amet ends up being a, uh, let's say the PLL version of Amet ends up scoring three goals with a dish. Uh, Tom Schreiber, he was excellent as well. Uh, so that was great. Costabile looking good out there. So what we're seeing is the young guys getting the job, getting the job done already. So Amet getting it done. Costabile stuck a two bomb. I think he ended up with like four goals or five goals at with considering the two bomb or something like that up to this point. Uh, Pinnell was a little bit more quiet in this one. He ends up going one and two on the day. Didn't score his first goal until the fourth quarter, but all of the, like that, that goal that Pinnell scored in the fourth quarter for anybody who saw it. That proved that all these crazy workouts, his 24-pack that he's got going is working. That core strength was on display on that goal as he comes up, falling down, manages to get a good shot off, switched hands and still got that right-handed shot off and stuck it. So I was a big fan of that, uh, of uh, Pinnell uh, sticking that. Now, overall, so but the first, what is it, four games? We're four games deep now. The first four games of PLL action, all of them were excellent. Uh, PLL as good as advertised again, much quicker pace getting up and down the field than the MLL, but uh, maybe not quite as polished, but I dare say that this edition of the PLL this first weekend was definitely more polished. I want to say than the beginning of last season. Uh, I think maybe guys getting used to the rules, guys getting used to each other. I think that PLL Island may be playing a little bit here. These guys are going hard, taking this very seriously and not at all for granted. Um, so, but things I'm picking up overall here after our first weekend. Connor Busick, apparently he's a volume shooter. Connor Busick has taken more shots than everybody in the league, and his shooting percentage is like below 20, I think, at this stage. But, uh, you know, if he starts hitting the cage, he's going to put up a bunch buttload of points here. Thor, a.k.a. Connor Farrell, uh, is face-off beast. So far, he's the top in the league uh, via face-off percentage, but we're only, you know, four games deep into it. Baptiste will be back. Nardella was right up there towards the top. Um, Brian Costabile and Grant Amat are already factors and factoring heavily at that into their team's game game plan. So we're seeing the young guns uh, step up and play some huge lacrosse. Matt Gaudet needs to get laid out. That needs to happen. Rob Pinnell and his jackness. He's going to be a handful all year long. And so far, we've got, what, a four-point game out of him, one and three in the first game, one and two in the second. So he's proving the geezer can factor still, and he's still going, he's going to be one of the best attackmen here. But with that said, we are going to, I think, see this year more than any, the old guard hand the, the baton to the, to the hand the stick uh, to the to the younger guys here. I think the guys like Rabel, Pinnell, Harrison, Crotty, these guys, last year we saw it too, but I think with it, we're going to start to see their age a little bit more, especially in a tournament where we're playing game after game after game after game. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see how that factors, but we are seeing that the young star power of the PLL is trumping the older um, stars, and uh, it, that's the big difference. I, I guess we did see a boatload, probably a record number of young guys get burned this year for the uh, MLL as well. So it's nice to see a lot of these young guys coming out and just playing big lacrosse. It's kind of always how pro lacrosse has been, though. You get these young guys in with their legs, and they can run with them. This is one of the first years, though, where you're seeing these guys graduate and play, graduate and play. That's a new thing. Graduate, play pro lacrosse the following year. So that's new. Uh, so we're getting to see some of these guys come right off their college seasons and playing. We saw that last year in the uh, PLL. Um, let's see. And that's it. Holy cow. That's, I think, I don't even, I have no idea how long I've been rambling for. But um, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. We've got more games to watch tonight. We have more games to watch tomorrow. We have more games to watch the day after that. So we have nothing but PLL across to watch here. 
Uh, We're going to try to hook up with a couple of other podcasters here over the course of the next week and see if we can't get a couple of dual action podcasts going via Zoom. So we'll see if that happens. I will try to pick up the pace here. We're super busy work-wise, but I, when, I, when I come down here late at night or super early in the morning, uh, I can get these out. So I'll try to make sure to get these out uh, during this whole play thing here as we're ripping through it. Um, and go to laxfactor.com to get swag. Support the podcast that way, or just like and subscribe. I'm happy, more than happy with that being the only thing that you do. And as always, you can listen to the audio version of this uh, if you go to anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor. So we'll be, we'll be back probably Thursday. Thursday, uh, either late Wednesday night or really early Thursday morning, we'll record another one. We'll talk about the games that go down to Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll talk about if Matt Gaudet does end up getting laid out or not, and, and more. So that's it. Thank you for listening, and Hoost is out. Thank <laughs> you.